Hello, hello. It's another case of mixtape and identity, and my guest this week is Robin Olander. Thank you so much for joining me. This is episode 54 of Mixtape and Identity with Robin Olander. Robin is the other half of the excellent Your Own Personal Beatles podcast, following on from the episode with the lovely Jack Pelling from last week. Um, so, yeah, first of all, on the playlist, you know, I've, I've said before I don't have a huge amount of exposure to different types of music and my scope can, can be quite limited. So getting a list of, like I'd say this is a lot of classics that I hadn't really heard, which is quite nice. Um, so I had an awful lot of fun with it. If this is your first time listening, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then the the playlist that we're about to discuss and all those songs are available on Spotify in one helpful place. Uh, link is in the description of the podcast. Also, you can look up Mixtape and an Entity on Spotify. And give us a follow on Instagram for any and all updates. Uh, so, at Mixtape and an Entity. That's the main place that I uh, pay attention to in terms of social media. So, give us a follow there. This is a great chat. Really relaxed. Really good fun. Um, had a really good time with this. Learned quite a lot as well, which is quite nice. I uh, don't have a huge amount more to say about it at this point, so we'll jump in. This is episode 54 of Mixtape Identity. Yes, so how often do you actually listen to music at the moment, Robin? Oh, well, every day, I think. Hmm? <laughs> yeah. Um, is it is it an active listening thing, or is it just when you when you're doing things? That's a good question. <laughs> I think um, I just I, I I think I have certain habits I have. Uh-huh. Like I like to listen to a lot of Radio Three in the morning. Okay, which um, can can be surprisingly. I mean, it plays a real variety of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I get a lot of kind of. You know, you know, you go down a rabbit hole with something you've heard on Radio Three or something in the morning. But they play; they don't just play classical. Obviously, they play a lot of. You know, jazz and kind of folk and world music and things. So mm-hmm. I always think that's a very nice start to the day. Okay, <laughs> um, sure. uh, and then I guess I, there are a lot of I don't know. I I, I I fall back on a lot of kind of old favorites a lot of the time when I right. feel like I should be checking out new things. Right. You yeah. Know? So I guess I. Um, Casmacombs, or Casmacombs, as I think his name is pronounced. But yeah, I kind of he, he's probably my favorite contemporary musician so i kind of he's my kind of comfort kind of comfort blanket go to i guess for listening afternoons you know have a big slump in the afternoon so i listen to a lot of like metal and stuff in the afternoon i don't know why kind of happened in lockdown i think just like just really got into listening to a lot of heavy stuff okay uh in the afternoon and yeah i don't know and then yeah i don't know it's, a, it's such a good question because, like, I don't think I've ever really thought about it before. Like, mm. I, just, I guess I listen to music like all day if I could. Yeah, sure. You know, um, but yeah, then in the evening I might kind of check out something new. I like listening to ZZ Top when I cook. Pantera, that's good cooking music. I don't know. <laughs> there are certain go-to cooking things that just seem to go well with the frying of an onion. Uh, <laughs> and then in the evening, I, just, I guess I like falling asleep to kind of a lot of ambient music and things. And okay, yeah. so yeah, kind of pretty varied stuff throughout the day. Okay, okay. Mm. Um, I mean, you said about like going into a rabbit hole with with music. Are you? Yeah. Do you tend to do deep dives into albums, or do you stick to playlists, or what's the what's the go to? 
I guess just maybe artists and you know. Yeah. I mean, I've got huge blind spots with a lot of jazz. Right. Okay. But Radio Three played some Bud Powell recently, um, and you know, I just, I mean, it's just you know, there's huge black holes in my knowledge that I hadn't really heard of about Bud Powell, so I just went around down a rabbit hole with him, and it's mm-hmm. like just really nice to kind of piece together. You can like hear how he influenced. Keith Jarrett and people like that, who's a big favourite of mine. So yeah, I guess kind of more, more kind of artist based, I suppose. Okay, fair enough. Mm. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I normally ask actually about like um, whether you fall back on old familiar or whether you try to find new stuff. Yeah, um, I do always try to listen to something new. Um, but yeah, there are certain things I sort of. I just find, yeah, I, I think music is just a great comfort. So sometimes, I mean, it's really bad, I suppose, but sometimes you don't want to be too challenged. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So I, I do like kind of falling back on things. Like at the moment, I really, Aldous Harding released a brilliant album called Designer a few years ago. Mm. And I just, I've been listening to that loads recently. And I know she brought out a new album last year, but I just kind of haven't quite moved on to it yet. You know, <laughs> I just really like, I'm stuck on that, stuck on that one. Yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I mm. think, I think it also takes a certain mood to get into new music as well. Cause Definitely. Yeah. You, you need to have that mindset that you're going to be challenged. And then it becomes sort of going back to my opening question, it sort of goes back to a more active type of listening rather than a passive it, you know you you kind of have to be in, invested and involved when you're listening to something new especially when totally. it's something that you think you're gonna love you, mm. you kind of want to give it the the due care and attention so definitely and I, I find a lot of the time as well with new music that like it's something like that black midi album that came out last year i listened to that a few times and I just it absolutely blew my mind, and you know, but I sort of really had to be in a very specific mood to listen to it. It's incredibly mm. kind of rich album. It's like eating a big chocolate cake, <laughs> and you're not always in the mood. <laughs> what's your kind of music? Sorry to turn the tables. What's what's your sound of musical background? What are your kind of what's your kind of genres and of of choice and things? So, my big thing with this show is basically um, when you talk about like blind spots in music mm. my blind spot has more or less been everything for, okay for a while really? yeah, yeah so i i basically found my niche when i was a teenager and then more or less stuck to that um until probably about lockdown so and I, it was mostly stuff with guitar so um frightened rabbit are, are my big bands so they're mm. an indie rock band from scotland um and i was really into muse foo fighters biff claro um I listened to quite a bit of like classic rock when I was younger, really into yeah. Led Zeppelin, um, The Who, and Pink Floyd. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like that was the music that I went back to, mm-hmm. and then I reached a point in lockdown where I I didn't really know how to find new music, and yeah. I kind of hated all of the music that I normally listened to. So I, I I reached a point. I remember thinking at one point, do I just not like music? <laughs> this is not for me this entire medium um yeah. so it's only really for, through doing this show that i've been able to um expand my horizons i guess right i think lockdown did change a lot of things 
Yeah. Definitely. It changed my listening habits a lot, I think. Yeah. I mean, really, like, the ambient thing mm-hmm. was just I felt like you did you did need a lot of kind of comfort and just you wanted to kind of... It's like taking a, taking a bath or something, you know, listening to a really relaxing album. Yeah. And yeah. there's that quality. And also just, yeah, needing some kind of stimulation, which is, I think, why I got into a lot more higher energy music with, like... Yeah, you know, heavier music as well. Yeah, it did change my habits. I think for me, it was just I, I and this is quite um, a uh, depressive energy, but <laughs> um, I was counting down the hours each day. You know, it was like li- looking at the clock, going, you know, if I listen to an album now, then you know it's ten o'clock now. I'll listen to an album, then it will be eleven o'clock, and then yeah, you know, I can do something else for an hour, and then I'll have lunch, and then like I'm sort of like I'm trying to work out how I can you know run down the clock essentially on each day so yeah. it did become a more like this is an activity this is something i'm gonna have to, i'm gonna do because i can't think about anything else you know that's so yeah that's really true it was such a weird it's so weird to think just how different things were yeah you know three years ago mm-hmm. i just remember like we'd me and my girlfriend would finish eating dinner and then we'd like go what, what should we have for breakfast tomorrow <laughs> there's like nothing else to yeah. do you know <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly it's yeah. a very strange time. Mm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's let's try and bring the mood back up. I don't want to keep mm. talking. About long time. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll get in. We'll get into the list. So, uh, song one is a song you fell in love with straight away. So you went mm. for "Ill Jackson" by Sid Matters. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is a song that um, I did a lot of work for the uh, musician Jan Tearson a while back and my friend Dave Collingwood was drumming for him as well and J- Dave went over to do a session with Jan in France and kind of came back and said oh Jan played me this great album you know I think you'd really like it and he sent me this one song and it was just I can't, I just almost the first second I knew I'd like it I don't you know it was just mm-hmm. I knew that something about the way that composer composed his melody lines or those chord changes it was absolutely on my wavelength you know mm-hmm. just it's just really he has a it has a kind of classic quality but there's something very idiosyncratic about it and I found out afterwards I've met him a few times actually the guy the singer's name's Jonathan mm-hmm. from Sid Matters and um, he's a huge Gorky's fan and like Gorky's are my probably my favorite band so i don't know if i was just picking up on that subliminally or something but right okay yeah just very talented guy uh-huh. um i don't know what did you think of this song yeah that was a beautiful song um yeah it was a little bit uh a little bit strange i think there were a few of these songs that took me maybe a couple of listens to really connect with or really get into. right yeah um so there were elements of it that i found a little bit odd but mm. um but no, I think I, did. I think I really enjoyed. There were certain sections of the song in particular that I really loved the first time I heard them, like that when he's um, singing "Hey Now, Help Is on the Way Now." Like yeah, that, yeah. That little there was there's just something about the way the the song breaks down at that point that, um, yeah, that you, there was a bit of a an emotional reaction to it, mm, which yeah, I think is a rare thing for me to have that sort of that instant sort of connection I guess with with that part of the song mm. um, but no I thought it was really beautiful it's a really, really 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 lovely song I think there's something as well, you know that you're right I, there's definitely something strange about it I sort of wonder if because he's 
he's French and he's singing in the second language and it does something quite strange with the lyrics. I think the lyrics are really, really odd. Yeah, uh, was that But, thing. like, you know... First thing I recall uh, is my birth. Yeah, I love that line. That's mm. great. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's that line about when he started to say some strange things in conversation? It's just, like, it's sort of slightly off the tracks a bit somehow, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if that is because it's a second language thing or if it is just inhabiting a slightly different kind of mindset or something. But yeah. Yeah, there's something kind of slightly off kilter about it, which I really mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was it Jackson lost his mind when he left us? Yeah. <laughs> I started to use some strange words in conversation. That's yeah. it, yeah. I mean, I wonder if it was... Ill Jackson. I mean, I, I I think the band name is a reference to Sid Barrett. Right. And I don't know if the song is a... I don't know if the song is about Michael Jackson or if it's about kind of... But it seems, it makes mm. me think of Sid Barrett. Though. Mm. I don't know. Maybe there's something kind of of his style. Mm. You, you're, you, you said you're a Pink Floyd fan. Do you like the kind of Barrett years? Oh, we're, we're getting into some... Some territory that's way beyond. My, oh, really? My yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, but there is, oh, of course, and there's a reference because he says "Shine on You, Crazy Jackson," which is a direct Pink Floyd reference, isn't oh, yeah. it? "Shine on You, Crazy Diamond," which is a song about Sid Barrett. So, yeah, obviously, must be there. Is, there is that connection. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a be- beautiful song. Yeah. And I just, I'm staggered whenever I hear them. Like, how are they not more well known? Outside, mm. I think they're pretty well known in France, but right. I just, you know, they're just. Um, he can really write songs. He's just one of the. That's that's why I chose it for this category because you just sometimes you hear a songwriter and you just have absolute faith in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's how I would put it. Like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, in a safe pair of hands. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, song two is a song that took you a while, so you went for "Beside You." by Van Morrison. Yeah. Appropriately enough speaking to someone from Belfast. <laughs> what's what's your opinion of Van Morrison as a as a local? <laughs> as a local? Mm. Um c- yeah, can we can we focus on Van Morrison from the good old days? <laughs> yes, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think um, he kind of stopped existing about 5 years ago, didn't he? There's there's nothing. I don't think he'd released anything in the last 5 years as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Um, no. Just disappeared. No yeah. trace of him. It's yeah. really odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look it up. Don't look it <laughs> yeah. up. Um, uh, yeah. So I've really come around to Van Morrison more recently because I, I've done this thing, which I do with a lot of artists, which I um, I associate that artist with their best known song. Right. So for me, Van Morrison is Brown Eyed Girl. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is you know a fairly straightforward pop song. Mm-hmm. really um, yeah. and I didn't realise for a long long time that he was this phenomenal songwriter who you know an, an incredible musician even as a you know even from a from a vocalist point of view mm-hmm. um, really just like feels it out basically and there's there's um, yeah there's, there's an awful lot to his music that I didn't realise before I think yeah, yeah, so. I think. And did the kind of, you know, the locality of it kind of mean anything to you kind of growing up? Was that sort of uh, talked about? Well, my dad was a big fan. Yeah, yeah. My dad was a big fan. Um, so 
so yeah i mean that certainly that that definitely fed into it a little bit because he's quite he would he would pop up on the tv quite a bit and yeah. you know maybe a little bit more um a little bit more prominent here than maybe than than the rest of the world mm-hmm. um so so yeah i mean that definitely comes into it i think i think listening to you know earlier van morrison now i think i you know there's a certain odd sense of national pride in a way yeah um, and you yeah. know a lot of the a lot of the songs he sings about is you know is stuff that's quite poignant for yeah for someone from northern ireland as well some of the the themes and things like that so yeah so yeah it definitely feeds into it i mean yeah that's it's, it's interesting that because he's not i mean we're talking about like astral weeks and i guess the great thing is he's a he's very he's a, an incredible communicator of emotion yeah, the songs the songs themselves are very inscrutable, you know. Mm. So that's what makes Astral Weeks so kind of magical, really. That you're not really sure what he's singing about with such incredible passion. You know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, um, and that's interesting. You mentioned that about the kind of he does kind of touch on of um, you know mention obviously mentions street names, yeah, and areas in Northern Ireland and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in the seventies, he never directly addressed any of the political, you know, situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, there's something kind of in the background of certain songs. But yeah. maybe it's kind of better that it is more kind of subliminal as an undercurrent than kind of something coming out with something incredibly direct as well. Yeah, I mean, it would be very difficult to take a firm stance. Yeah, put your you know your your feet in one camp or the other at that yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, Paul McCartney and John Lennon's efforts weren't exactly subtle, were they? <laughs> <laughs> that. But, they didn't um, have to live here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But, I, um, so why why did Beside You take a while then? Well, because it's, um, it's on a kind of famous album, and it's kind of one of those albums you grow up with saying, like, oh, you know, this is one of the 100 best albums, you've got to get into Astral Weeks, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of an album you buy and you listen to the first song and you think, oh, it's okay. And then this song comes on. It's like the second song and you go, what? This is this is just complete rubbish, you know? And it's that it's about getting past that point mm-hmm. where it actually really leaps out at you. And if you play it to someone for the first time, they'll go, what is this crazy, you know, you breathe in, you breathe out bit. Mm-hmm. It, it's a real stumbling block to getting into the song because, you know, it all, well, how can I say it? It almost sounds bad. <laughs> right, but it, but you know it's this. But once you and it's almost with this song. There's a version of it on an earlier release, and it, the song kind of makes more sense in a way. It's more kind of grounded somehow. Mm-hmm. But the version on Astral Weeks is very kind of floating around. It's almost hard to work out what kind of chords are being played underneath. He's kind of it's very kind of unmoored. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um. And so it's the song that's the kind of the biggest stumbling block in Astral Weeks because you have to get into the mood of the album, which is this, I think, is this kind of sense where he's given himself this kind of complete freedom of expression. Yeah. Where there's almost nothing between what he's feeling and what he's expressing. You know, there's no kind of filter. Mm -hmm. And he's doing that kind of, what's that dreadful cliche about singing like no one's listening but he kind of is doing that you know yeah um and it's sort of it's very intimate mm. um 
But what's interesting as well is Astral Weeks is, um, yeah, it kind of ends with this song Slim Slow Slider. And there's a, they, they kind of did a reissue. And, and after the fade out of Slim Slim Slow Slider, there's a kind of another bit. And I think the the other bit does, doesn't work at all. And it sounds really weird. <laughs> right. But maybe I'm just familiar with the kind of album version. But it's kind of interesting to think of those kind of creative choices that were made in the album, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Astral Week's just a very big album f- for me. Like, probably my favourite album and um but one that really took a while to kind of understand i think yeah, sure <laughs> you know yeah it's not sense. quite sorry go on no it's because he um i think van morrison does that quite a lot with his music and this is the sort of the the, the stuff that i've been getting into and connecting more with recently is that i think that um on Murd, word that you use is quite good because that, that seems to be how he how he performs but it, the the musicians that he's playing with obviously have a freedom to do the same as well because it yeah it feels like they start off with a sort of uh quite a a simple song or like a structure yeah and then it just drifts into this like just this i think you know as you said like an expression of emotion mm. which is quite interesting um it's, it's like it's it's interesting to listen to him perform as well because i've used this analogy before but um have you ever this this is gonna uh be a bit of a a left turn here but have you ever have you ever played a game called fishbowl fishbowl no no i didn't it's like a party game you might have a different name for it or um played something similar but it's basically it's um it's uh it's like a you know a party game um where you put names um, people, places, things. Write them on a piece right. of paper, put and you stick out. it to your head. Is no, this the, is one. So no. it's you. Um, okay. You pull the paper out, and then you have to describe it, right, without yeah. using that word. And then you put them all back in, and then you play again. And then the second round, you can only use one word. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. then an, a and gesture, it, maybe. And then charades. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I have. I played this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, I feel like that is Van Morrison's approach to using words. Yeah, in his songs, where he's That's... he's basically told himself, or someone's told him, right in the first part of the song, you have to use all the words because otherwise yeah. people aren't going to know what you're talking about. And then in this in the in the next third, you can, you know, sort of use some of the syllables, and then from there, just do whatever you want. And then you know you get him go nah, nah, yeah, it just goes all over the place. Yeah. But, that's um, such a that's a brilliant analogy. I think <laughs> that's so true because he does. He's literally almost. You can hear him contorting his mouth and things like that. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like it. The way he is performing as a vocalist is is it's the same as like any session musician would, where you have like the sort of the riff or the the chord progression that you've stuck with initially, and then you know you do little variations here and variations there, and then the thing that you have at the end is totally unrecognizable but it's mm. somewhere it's grounded somewhere in the um in the original um, definitely but yeah it's quite interesting listening to him perform there aren't there aren't many singers who do that in, yeah in, like as well as him i think definitely yeah that's 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 so so well put i think i think as well that the great thing about a lot of songs in astral weeks is they are so simple like mm. madam madam george is just gcd like it just couldn't be easier you can play it on the guitar so easily you know yeah 
and but it's about 10 minutes long and i think a lot of my song choices are to do with kind of inducing a meditative mood you know but mm. what what how can you make just three chords over 10 minutes interesting yeah <laughs> and i think the the answer is a variation so what you talked about with van morrison the way he varies his phrasing or you know mm-hmm. and and b is this kind of the repetition becomes kind of so ingrained in your listening that you kind of you literally it kind of literally it's kind of almost has a hypnotic effect you know yeah and i think both of those things happen in astral weeks you know yeah there's 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 bound to be an element of i haven't looked into this but i'm i would be very surprised if there's not an element of the sort of the irish folk scene heavily influencing how his music is played as well because yeah you know that's basically going to be the same thing it's going to be you know three men in a pub with uh you know a guitar a banjo and a fiddle or whatever and you know they'll have this sort of the this we're going to play this song and they start off with that song and then they just jam and you know, yeah go from there and like that that's that's got to be an influence on on how he comes because he does you know he does some very much in the last few years but he comes across as a you know an old man in a pub yeah um, so and, and i mean that as a compliment to his music yeah. and an insult to his personality um, <laughs> But um, but yeah, that's that's got to be that's got to be part of it, right? Oh, totally, yeah. And there is a very good album he did um, of Irish traditional music, yeah. um, uh, which is with oh, and the Chieftains, Irish Heartbeat, mm. uh, yeah, which is very good. And his the, the version there of she moved through the fair. I mean, it's almost it's quite extraordinary his vocal performance on that. <laughs> mm. And my Lagland love, that's the one, yeah, which which is a beautiful song, right. Um, yeah, his his voice at the end of that is almost kind of becoming this droning kind of hurdy gurdy kind of sound. It's really quite strange. Mm. And there's a great bit in the in that album where the chieftains kind of make fun of the fact that Van Morrison has a comes from a Protestant background, and they 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 go into a bit of the sash my father wore at the end <laughs> of one of the songs. Quite funny. That's good. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll move on. Song three is a song from your introduction to music. So you've gone for It's For You by uh, Pat Metheny. Yeah, I, I thought it was Metheny for years, uh, it's, but apparently it's Metheny. But, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Lyle Mays, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, I don't know, I like to think this in a way, this is almost like the first music i can remember hearing i think mm. um it's just a big favorite of my parents my dad and um my dad would play it and you could just i'd hear the melody kind of drifting up the stairs you know and i just i just thought it sounded so you know beautiful unearthly you know mm-hmm. um yeah so that, that's it and, and it's almost like when when he played it to me when i was maybe a bit older it was like i remembered it you know i remember you used to play this you know mm. so it obviously kind of embedded itself and then just you know growing up and learning to play the guitar you kind of i mean i love pat Metheny. i think there are some lapses in taste at times with his music okay. <laughs> but he is an, he's just an outstanding guitarist just one of the best guitarists I think ever really just phenomenal and hmm. but his 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 sense of melody his capacity for melody is just amazing like he sing, he 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 improvises you know melodies that are 
sound like they've been written if that makes sense yeah you know? sure. you can whistle his solos you know yeah um i think sometimes it, he, i mean there's a paul mccartney vibe to him and one of his most played songs on spotify is his cover of and i love her mm. but there's a mccartney vibe where sometimes he pushes it a bit too much you know it's a bit too <laughs> treacly maybe you know okay but yeah just so yeah and you know just guitar solo at the end is just absolutely brilliant you know uh-huh. there's a little bum note in it which makes it human near the end which me and my brother always point out yeah. yeah no i really liked it i really liked it i i um i really like this this uh i really like music with a sort of like a with, with a rise and a fall mm. um and i was gonna ask you about this actually because this is sort of like, this is a little bit of a, a theme with some of your songs um i feel which is that um quite a few of the songs that you've picked i would say are not um not your standard structure no and sort of similar to what we talked about with van morrison where you've sort of you've got do you want to think it is i think a lot of your songs feel like um an expansion on an idea so you know like like you've basically you've got the you've got the melody you've got the the sort of the hook and then it's an artist's um expression like freedom of expression basically um which is why obviously you know some of your songs are you know a little bit on the longer side yeah Um, but i really enjoy that especially when it's done well when you can when you can feel that this is sort of almost a playful energy to it but there's um there's definitely an element of uh artists enjoying themselves enjoying the sort of the the expression side of things but there's there's still it's still grounded in something it's still you you can feel the song and you sort of know where it's going to go next if that makes sense Mm. um but i was going to ask you if if that's if that type of music that's sort of that more let's say rambly for for Mm. lack of a better phrase but if that type of music if that's something you're consciously into I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Definitely, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I think it's like that thing you said earlier about a song starts and then when it ends, you're kind of in a slightly different pa- place. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I like that kind of slightly transformative thing. Mm. I like songs. I like kind of melodies that seem to be kind of pushing the grid a bit, if that makes sense. Like kind yeah. of, you know, you've only got twelve notes, and some. I like melodies that feel like they're slightly pushing against the limitations somehow i don't know yeah sure <laughs> um and i like yeah i like music that just feels very very free i suppose yeah mm. but yeah 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 that but definitely like ram- rambly would probably be a better way of putting it <laughs> <laughs> i can see you've got a, a marshall amp behind is that a marshall behind you or yes, is it, is it, it is, yeah. yeah so do you, you play the guitar used to that's the used yeah. to yeah um, what did you think of the, the pat Matheny solo at the oh, end of that song it's excellent yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite um, special. Yeah, and I, I, I think I don't know if, if you're the same, but I think that's maybe one of the reasons that I do connect with that type of music is because the thing that I used to do a lot when I was younger and played a lot more guitar was um, I had a loop pedal. Yeah, and I would just like I would play something, and then play something over the top, and then build on that, and then build on that, and like try different things over the top of it. Um, so, and there's something very relaxing about that. That was sort of that was how I chilled out. Was like, I would just like try new things and try to like 
work on stuff and build things and then to be honest that like once it was done i probably listened back to it once and then got rid of it um yeah but that's that's you know but that's part of what's amazing about playing music is you know that you're not yeah. doing it for an end goal you do you know it's yeah you're doing it for its own sake you know yeah it's like a buddhist <laughs> garden um, yeah but uh but yeah I, I i think that's maybe one of the reasons i enjoy that type of music is because i i I can feel myself doing that to, to 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 chill out, and I know they're having a good time doing it. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, the guitar solo is insanely good. It's just, it's yeah, it's beautiful. The whole yeah. the way it all it all comes together. Yeah, amazing. And it really kind of it's very climactic as well. It's it's very hard to do that on the guitar to actually build and build. You yes. Know? Um, and never and never repeats himself as well. Yeah. Just to kind of yeah, it's just it's pretty exceptional. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, just amazing. Uh, all right, song four is a song that makes you happy. So you went for "On the Rebound" by Floyd, Floyd Kramer. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh man, this really does make me happy. <laughs> I think um, this is a. Oh man, I mean, so this song, basically, I remember hearing it when I was really young, mm-hmm. and just loving it in a way I can't even describe like it just made me want to play the piano I remember sitting at the bottom of the stairs and pretending the step above me was a piano and just kind of like imagine I was playing that right and then it was just you know lost for years I had no idea what that song was and then I was watching an Adam Curtis documentary (laughs) do you know Adam Curtis no makes these very kind of heavy uh, very kind of, uh, I don't know what the word to describe him is. Very, they're very idiosyncratic, right? Um, documentaries for the BBC with a kind of uh, he does a voiceover and he talks about kind of various kind of socio political kind of issues. Uh, but one of his, the kind of big trademarks he uses, which almost has become a cliche, is he will have a kind of footage of something quite shocking with mm-hmm. kind of something quite upbeat music. So. Okay. All of a sudden, I was watching this Adam Curtis film, and it was probably like you know footage of a massacre or something. And then this piano song came on, I was like, "Oh my god, that's the song!" <laughs> so I shazammed it and found out it was Floyd Kramer, and um, yeah, and just haven't looked back since. I listened to it a lot, you know. Amazing pianist. He and he um, he played with Elvis. He played on Heartbreak Hotel and things. Oh, wow. And I was just reading about him today, and the thing that I loved about it as a kid was the way he was playing the piano but almost like bending the notes mm-hmm. you know it's like the melodies it's that kind of he's kind of pushed like i said before like pushing against the grid of what you can do with those 12 notes you know right and and i was reading about on his wikipedia today that yeah american pianist who became famous for his use of melodic half step attacks so he would he his use of slip note or bent note style right and that's what he's doing on in the on the rebound is to, you know, just kind of almost playing that melody line as if he's playing it on the guitar and kind of bending the notes, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I just it, so yeah, it just does make me happy because it just fills me with that kind of joy of hearing an incredible song when you're when you're very young, you know. So yeah, uh, yeah, and whenever I hear it, it just really gives me a boost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's uh, I mean. But like what a lot of 
I like about music is there's something indefinable about it. You know, that's why, you know, I love it so much because there's something you can't quite put your finger on, like what he's doing with the piano, making it sound like it's bending the note, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, that's why I love it. It's like, it's like, you know, just a bag of sweets. You just keep wanting to eat another one and <laughs> listen to it again, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did, had you heard this song before? No. no. What did you think of it? It is utterly joyous. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other word for it. It is yeah. just pure bliss. Yeah. It's so fun. It's mm. so fun. I, I, I can't imagine listening to this song and being sad. Yeah. <laughs> I really can't. And I've said that a few, about a few songs that I've had on the on the show. Um but I, I I don't yeah, it would just it would really lift your mood, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's so much fun. It's something kind of almost silly about it as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's it's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Big fan, yeah. big fan. It's great. All right, song five then is a song that makes you sad. So this mm. is a last minute edition. So we got "I Wish I Was the Moon" by Nico Case. Yeah, um, yeah. I was gonna do "Jesus Blood Never Never Fail Me Yet" by Gavin Bryars, but mm. it's almost too too unbearably sad. <laughs> I just wanted to. I mean, it's a be- amazing piece of music. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I wish you'd made the change before I listened to all 26 minutes of Gavin Breyer's <laughs> Jesus Blood Never Filled Me Yet. Did you but listen to all of it? I did. Yeah. I did, yeah. Well, it's, um, yeah, well, you know, extraordinary. Had, had you heard of it before? No, but I looked into it and the, the, the I, I read the story of it while I was mm. listening to it, which is, um, yeah, even, even more thoroughly depressing. Yeah. Well, I mean, can I just, should we talk about it just briefly? Yeah, go for it, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Gavin Bryars was uh, working on a documentary and filming and recording audio of um, homeless people, kind of, and they were singing. Mm -hmm. And it was was around Elephant and Castle, actually, and and Waterloo, apparently. And he recorded uh, one homeless man singing this old hymn. Yeah. And he got it home. And, real, and realized it was he was actually singing in tune, as in you could play the piano along to it. So he was singing, kind of in uh, in the in a, you know in in a, in a in a key that you mm-hmm. could play along with. And he and he realized he could kind of make an uneven loop at it, yeah, loop loop of it. And he he kind of looped it round. And I think he was working in an art college, and he kind of left it looping round this this vocal line. And uh, and I think he went away and came back and there was just people kind of just literally kind of sobbing listening yeah. to it, you know. And the piece of music starts with that loop and then just becomes gradually more embellished and mm-hmm. the orchestra um, kind of gradually comes in until it becomes very, very, pow- you know, very grandiose, really. And yeah. I, I mean, it just seems to be so rich with kind of metaphorical meaning about kind of just the everyday mm-hmm. one moment in an everyday life that can be filled with such value and it's you know just obviously so incredibly profound about this person in a hopeless situation singing about hope and faith mm-hmm. and yeah just i mean it's just i just find it yeah i mean almost i'm i'm you know, almost difficult to listen to because of how moving it is, really. Yeah. 
But yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, I, I, I find that for sure, especially, mm. especially when you when you read the context of it and you know that sort of that story behind it. Um, yeah, listen to it build and 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 yeah, picture in the situation and then the the guy singing it and everything. It is yeah, it is tragic, absolutely. Mm. Um, I think Brian Eno talked about it somewhere. Where he talked about how it kind of—I can't remember the word he used—but maybe it gradually becomes more gilded or kind of. Right. I can't remember what word he used, but he described it so well. Yeah, I think it was when he was on Adam Buxton. Mm. But yeah, just a beautiful piece of music. But anyway, like the the other song I wanted to choose. <laughs> did you want to talk about that more? Or do you, we... No, go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other song is is a Nico Case song called I, w- "I Wish I Was the Moon" and mm-hmm. just. Just a, it was a big favorite of my dad's, uh, who's no longer with us, and um, right. I just think it's just a, and it's a song she wrote about her own father. Okay, and it's just, I think it's very hard to write a song that's just so direct that it kind of has that cross generational appeal, if you like, where everyone who listens to it kind of gets where where she's coming from, and it's, mm. I don't know, it's I mean it's beautiful, it's a beautiful song. So, you know, so melancholy and just, just a wonderful image, really. I wish I was the moon. Um, mm. um, yeah, just, I don't know. I don't really. I I feel like um, I really I really like a lot of music that, I really I got really into listening to the REM album Automatic for the People a lot. Do you do you ever do you ever listen to that? Do you know the album? No. Nope. With Everybody Hurts on it. You, you must know Everybody Hurts. I know Everybody Hurts, yeah. Yeah. Well Everybody Hurts, I think, is just a fantastic example of it's so hard to write a song. Whatever you think of that song, I mean it has its detractors, I think, but you know. Yeah. It's so hard to write a song that is that direct that it will always make sense no matter what context it's played in. Do you yes. know what I mean? And it's to do with the production and the mix as much as the lyrics and the melody, I think mm-hmm. it will just always sound like its message is very loud and clear, no matter yeah. what speakers you're listening to it or where you hear it. Sure. You know, and I think Nico Case, this Nico Case song has something similar to it where it just, what, however she's done it or whatever she's doing, she's communicating incredibly clearly, I think. Yeah, and that's what I really love about the song, and I just love. Yeah, I just love the fact that Dad Dad uh, loved it as well. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I always like that when when an artist is just clear and direct with with what they're what they're saying and what their what their feelings are. Yeah, because um, I think you know the reality is that we're no one's unique, right? You know, um, if you're writing about loss, you know. That there are millions of people who have experienced that same loss, who will connect with what, whatever you're saying and will 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 feel the same feelings that you felt. Yeah, um, yeah, I, and I I always I always like that in music, especially sad music that's written about you know, you know, sadder themes. I I I, I enjoy. We talked about Frightened Rabbit already, but they sing a lot about mm. mental health and yeah, and that's something that I've struggled with in the past. But having someone live your experience and be able to articulate it is mm. very very comforting because it makes you feel like you're not alone in that situation 
and he he had such a kind of clear kind of ringing voice as well do you know what i mean like he mm. he he was very capable of that communication who's this well, i think the, the singer of frightened rabbits oh sorry. scott yeah I've, yeah, yeah I forget scott hodgson yeah Hodgson. yeah yeah he was very very emotive which was yeah mm. was always something to connect with um but no i'll i'll need to give a wish list the mirror listen because yeah as i say i really do yeah that. it's it's great i mean i think all of her stuff is really good but you know that this song i feel like she was trying to write kind of a classic song because a lot of her stuff can be very uh like inscrutable i suppose and very enigmatic lyrics right. and songs that kind of structurally kind of go in interesting directions. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of, it's so it, the, the traditional kind of structure of this song and the kind of classic kind of songwriting about it, I think it's just, I think it was, yeah, just, I think it's her trying to communicate with her father. I don't really know the background to the story, but right. the fact that she said she kind of wrote it for him or it's about him. Um, I think this, you can kind of hear that in it, maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll give it a listen. Mm. Okay, song six is a song to relax to. Um, I need some help here. So, Noyo? Yeah, oh God, Noyo? I mean, I don't actually know how you... Noya, I guess? I don't know. Benoit Puyard? Yeah, Benoit Puyard, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Quickly and confidently, <laughs> yeah. the, the way of the the straight white man. Uh, no, I've been up here. Yep, let's go with that. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. Benoit, um, I've met him kind of a couple of times, and he came on the Beatles pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, his real name's Tom, and yeah, I, I mean, I got into him from his more kind of singer-songwritery albums, which are kind of... They're very interesting records. They're mm-hmm. really good. He's an amazing songwriter. But he also releases a lot of ambient music, and this is one of his ambient songs. And what I love about it is... I mean, I love a lot of ambient music, but this song is based on... It seems to be based on a very simple chord progression. So it's ambient in the sense that, you know, it's kind of rhythmless and it's floating and stuff... <laughs> And it's really a beautiful atmosphere. Um, but it also has this kind of underpinning, this very subtle kind of change of chords. And I just find it incredibly relaxing and meditative, mm-hmm. very beautiful. And I think the way he uses these kind of tape effects, like there's a lot of tape hiss, um, those kind of slightly degraded kind of sounds kind of adds so much texturally. There's something almost kind of symphonic about his ambient work in a way that, that because you know it's called you know you call it kind of lo-fi because you're using tape you know um he uses cassette tapes and di- dictaphones and stuff like that as well you know yeah but it's it's kind of not lo-fi because there's something incredibly rich about the sound as well yeah which is the sound of the you know the tape hiss and stuff and yeah uh yeah just this is probably one of my Go to kind of falling asleep songs. Really, yeah. <laughs> I just find it incredibly. Yeah, it's just like entering a kind of stepping into another world or something. Yeah, it's very beautiful. What did you think of this? And 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 do you kind of ever listen to much? Do you listen to much kind of ambient music? 
Um, no, I don't think I do. I attended, like, I went through a phase where I listened to an awful lot of um, Sigur Ross. Oh, yeah. Which maybe yeah. the closest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I did really, really enjoy it. I, I um, yeah, especially recently, I, I do enjoy music that allows me to just disconnect my brain. Yeah. And I think this is incredibly good for that. And I think you sort of mentioned the the simplicity of the chord progression mm. um, apart from everything else but and I mean this is a compliment it almost means that there's there's nothing to ground you in yeah, the song yeah, yeah so you don't you don't necessarily focus on the song too much you just sort of you sort of sit in it I guess definitely um, which is lovely uh, so yeah it's 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 definitely one when I was listening to this playlist and I kept on going back to this song, yeah, it was definitely one that like my mind did start to wander when I was listening to this. It's 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 almost quite difficult to focus on. It's quite difficult to know what to say about the song because so I've 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 probably had this song on ten times and I've maybe heard the song twice. But I love that. Isn't yeah, that great, great though? It yeah. is good because I think you know going back to that kind of meditative quality. But you know, I, I love songs that do that. Like I love, you know, I think I don't know why I didn't choose "Strawberry Fields Forever" on this uh, uh, playlist. But that song, Stra- "Strawberry Fields," one of the things I love about it mm-hmm. is it it's so vividly dreamlike right. that when you listen to it, you enter that world, and it's almost like at the end of the song, you wake up and you go, "Oh." I've just listened to Strawberry Fields, but it, you, yeah. But are you hearing it or listening to it? You know, but that that's part of the beauty of it. Yeah. When when you listen to it, if you're in the right mood, you'll forget you're listening to it. You know. Yeah. And I think Strawberry Fields is like the kind of high benchmark of achieving that kind of feel. I think, but yeah. that that's kind of what I look for in a lot of music. Right. And I think. The thing with ambient stuff was I was quite intimidated bit by it because I thought, oh, maybe it's a bit pretentious or maybe, you know, there's a bit of Emperor's New Clothes about it or maybe it's kind of, you have to really get in, you have to really listen to get it. But it's so simple. Yeah. It's like, it's very, very, very simple, emotional, completely easy to understand. Yes. The emotional language of it is because you listen to it and it's incredibly relaxing yeah. <laughs> you know there's nothing m- really more complicated than that yeah. it induces a state of just yeah just relaxation meditation where your kind of mind drifts off you know and you might drift away from the music or might come back to it but that's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing you know <laughs> definitely definitely yeah do you um your jack picked Strawberry Fields Forever. Ah, oh, did it? Yes, yeah, yeah. I think I did know that. Yeah, he sent me his playlist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm interested to hear what he says about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I listened to that, obviously, for for his playlist as well. Um, So I know exactly what you mean. I felt the same way. That it, mm. it's, a, it's one that sort of just takes you away a little bit and then, yeah, uh, back to reality afterwards. Mm. But yeah, it's, it is lovely. Um. I will right, we'll move on. Song seven is a song from your preteen years. Oh yeah. So you went for Grey Seal by Elton John. 
Yeah. Great song. <laughs> Did you know this song at all? I didn't actually, no. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, I just... I think when I was at primary school, I sort of... Before... I, I mean, my first big musical... You know, the you know the, the band that sort of changed my life musically was Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I really felt a kind of sense of identity that was very strongly linked with the music. And the first right. time I really felt very powerfully that the music was for me, you know. Yeah. And um, that it was something that I could enjoy, you know, that was, I don't know, it was just completely life-changing, really, hearing Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, yeah, I was just, like, raiding my parents record collection and you know just listening to odd bits and bobs and things and yeah i just um was very very drawn to goodbye yellow brick road um the album just fascinated by the kind of gatefold sleeve um the double album the pictures the strange illustrations mm-hmm. bernie torpin's like very enigmatic lyrics and they had, this was the song that i was really drawn to Partly, I think, because I had absolutely no idea what it was about. <laughs> um, and th- there's another great song on the album. I think it's either before Grey Seal or after. I think it's before. Oh, this song has no title, just words and a tune. Right. I think that I, I kind of associate those two songs, that and Grey Seal, mm-hmm. in my mind a lot because I just think the lyrics are just beautiful. The lyrics are amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, and just Grey Seal. I just like. It felt like. Oh, I'm missing something because I'm young. There's right. something when I'm older, I'll sort of find the missing parts, and it will make this song and album make sense. But there, there, of course, there isn't. You know, yeah, it, it is a mystery. You know, right. it's really hard to figure out. Yeah, and it's really funny. I was, re- I was googling this song before coming on here, and and the, the, you know, I think that that's pretty much the consensus that no one really knows what it's about. Right, <laughs> but sure. there was one theory that there's a kind of a Beatles link. That it's a maybe a reference to I am the walrus, walrus seals. I'm not sure. Okay. But there's definitely a Beatlesy ness to it. I think there's a real similarity, maybe with Day in the Life. There's a bit about sure. on the big on the big screen they showed us the sun that's never quite as real big as the real one or something like that. That kind of weird thing that and that really reminds me of the John Lennon lyric about um you know, I saw a film today. Oh boy, um, I had to look having read the book. That kind of strange kind of, that sort of, uh, yes, yeah, strange kind of, just slightly disaffected modern life observational kind of stuff. Right. You know, there's a bit of that in Bernie Taupin's lyrics. Mm-hmm. Well, the lyrics are absolutely mad. Yeah. Can I, sh- sh- <laughs> shall I read it? There's an interesting earlier version of this song as well. I think it was on his second album. I never learned why meteors were formed. I only farmed in schools that were so worn and torn. Such a weird lyric. I only farmed in schools. Really odd. (laughs) And then, um, your mission bells were wrought by ancient men. The roots were formed by twisted roots. Your roots were twisted then. It's really kind of riddle-like. But Mm. I think, I mean, I think it's really good. I love those lyrics. Right. I guess I was just fascinated by it because I didn't understand it. That was why I chose it for this option. But yeah, what what about you? I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. 
Do you know, I actually, and, I actually connected with it for a very different reason, um, which is that I, I just thought it was a very simple pop song. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an absolute banger as well, isn't it? It's a yeah. great song. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful expression of Elton John as an artist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beyond the sort of the, um, obviously there's 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 everything that goes with Elton John, the sort of the the the, the pageantry, and then you have like the you know obviously his his best known and best loved songs that again I do that thing where I just entirely see the artist as that like their famous mm. works, um, so a song like Grey Seal for me, which is a song I hadn't heard before, um just it just put me in 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 the sort of headspace of like of just imagining seeing him perform this live like yeah. just getting to see him work just it's yeah. it's such high energy the 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 piano is is beautiful and fast and fun um and yeah the song is absolutely nonsense as far as i'm concerned <laughs> but the yeah. uh, but it's just i don't care i don't no. care it's just such a fun pop song i just Totally, it was amazing, and it could have been a single as well. I think it could have been yeah. a hit. Really, there's no, you know, and the other thing as well is when you go back to other songs, particularly from this era, like the song itself, "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road," uh-huh. has got such interesting lyrics. Yeah, I think, and really, can I like let's have a quick read of, yeah, "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road," where the dogs of society howl. You can't plant me in your penthouse. I'm going back to my plow. Back to the howl. Back to the howling old owl in the woods. I love that. Hunting the horny back toad. I finally decide my future lies beyond the yellow brick road. Mm. Absolutely mad. To put the howling old owl and the horny back toad. Mm. Just so strange. Yeah. And what's he, what is, what's it about? <laughs> is it about returning to nature? This idea of kind of escaping the city kind of going back to your roots kind of thing yeah I assume so that sounds like a sort of disenfranchisement with you know city life yeah or fame yeah yeah maybe it's about fame but then also that's the chorus as well yeah I just love that you know it's brilliant and he wrote it apparently like Vernie Torpin handed them the lyrics and he wrote that song just on the spot basically that one wow. it's just amazing yeah amazing yeah. Um, I still think he's yeah. underrated Elton John, you know. Even though he's like one of the most successful musicians ever. <laughs> yeah. I think critically he's still I think people don't quite realize just how good a lot of that 70s stuff was. Well, do you know a, a, a song like this would make me would make me believe you. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I I that's exactly how I felt listening to it is that it's just a, an entirely different part of his repertoire that I just yeah. wasn't wasn't conscious of, wasn't aware of. Um so yeah, like if he's got, if he's got that in his locker, then I'm I I, I, I need to listen to more. <laughs> yeah. To to find those to find the other gems. Um, it's, it's a brilliant. Yeah, song. it's great. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. No, I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it really reminds me of being kind of young and just sort of discovering almost like what music is, you know. Yeah. And just being so confused by it. <laughs> I even find the name of the song funny because yeah, Chris Seals Seals yeah. are grey. <laughs> It doesn't narrow it down. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not a specific seal you're talking about there. Yeah, you're to address right. It, that's 
that's every seal. Yeah, Elton. it's like saying the four-legged horse or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, weirdo. Anyway, yeah, uh, song eight is a cover, so you went for Seal in the South by DJ Screw. Yeah, it's kind of taken a left turn here um, a little bit. So, <laughs> so it's not a cover in as much as it's a kind of reframing of a song by yep. D- DJ Screw, who is a Texan DJ who's kind of thing was basically slowing down records as slow as they could go <laughs> right okay yeah and um it just kind of creates this i mean it's amazing um it's a really good book by gia tolentino called uh trick mirror mm-hmm. and there's a great chapter about dj screw here uh in 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 that book um this idea that he he kind of he discovered that hip-hop records just sounded amazing being completely slowed down and made kind of mixtapes of all these things and he was a huge success people would drive by his tapes and like it was really the sound of uh houston i think it's houston isn't it mm-hmm. and i don't know i just i love the idea that like he made this really strange sound mm-hmm. but everyone who heard it connected to it and thought oh yeah i love something about that mm-hmm. and you know people say it really kind of works with that kind of the Texan weather it's kind of really slow and kind of sounds like it's melting you know <laughs> and mm. um, and also they would like they would all get high and drink this cough syrup which kind of induced this kind of totally kind of mad slowed down kind of brain fog type of thing right and I don't know I just I just love this track. I just think it's just sounds amazing. It sounds completely weird, uh-huh. and it's like, as I said, it's not it's not a cover in as much as it's a reinterpretation of something or a reframing, yeah, of something. And and you know, it's a slowed down version of an ESG song, mm-hmm. and the rap is so slowed down. It kind of all that kind of the kind of bragging of. Uh, of the rap just sounds so strange and surreal and like just mm. so weird, you know? Yeah. I just absolutely just, I don't know, just slams the movement of it is just amazing. It's just like, yeah, he'd uncovered, he'd uncovered this incredible way of doing things. And the fact that it spoke to people again, it's communication, isn't it? It's about like, yeah. How did he discover that, and how did people go? Oh yeah, I like that. You know, mm. it just—it's just something kind of just weirdly miraculous about it. Like he was just, yeah, it's just so innovative. Do you know, I um, I saw someone on TikTok recently, and I, I I don't know the name of the person, and I'm sure people will will recognize who I'm talking about. Um, but it's a a guy who's like an expert on on language and. Uh, accents and etymology and stuff like that um, and he was talking about uh, regional accents in the US and yeah. how they're basically quite often reflective of the pace of life ah yeah um, and he said you also notice it with um, animals in mm. those places um, like birds for example in New York have to communicate very very quickly <laughs> compared to birds in like the in the deep south right they, they, they literally they just have more time 
and that's why you see that sort of difference in the in the in the way people talk and the accents as well in like a like a, a somewhere urban or you know like a sort of metropolis big city you know people communicate very very quickly mm-hmm. um because they have to um whereas in sort of more uh rural areas where there's a lot more time and there's a lot more things going on that's where you get this sort of like these drawing accents where people take a, take time over their words almost yeah and i wonder if that's part of what people connect with because you know because it's it's texan and it's sort of in that sort of that region but i wonder if that's sort of just just something that people are resonating with the 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 pace of it and how that sort of that just reflects on what they what they're looking for i guess definitely you know I mean? yeah i think there's a lot to that for sure and and, and hip-hop in america is obviously so linked to specific regions as well isn't it and yeah yeah i think yeah there's definitely something in that hmm. Yeah. All right. Song nine is a song you were singing karaoke. So you're going oh. for one thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, I wish I could sing this in karaoke. Um, <laughs> kind of my karaoke go-to song is The Smiths, and it's just okay. like you feel a bit uncomfortable doing a Morrissey these days. Sure. Uh, but one time at karaoke I was really drunk and did try to do one thing by Amory, right. <laughs> and it was like. To be, I think I got rhythmically I got it right. Yeah. Vocally, nowhere near, okay. obviously. But really, really fun to do at karaoke. Yeah. I mean, what a song. Do you like the song? Yeah. It's an absolute belter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's so good. Her her vocal performance is like amazing. <laughs> I mean, she does so many sound effects and things as well, like the high heels going down, the, the keys and the in the door. It's like incredible. Uh-huh. And you realise there's not a lot going on in the song. It's just the kind of the drum loop, the guitar stabs, and yes. loads of vocal. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd, I'd have to be very drunk to attempt it again at karaoke, but <laughs> sure. I wouldn't put it past me. Yeah. Um, but just amazing. So I was listening to it today, today, and the thing that's amazing about it is the way that snare beat is just slightly late. Yeah. And it just it's that kind of gives it that swing or that groove. It's yeah. Just absolutely phenomenal song <laughs> yeah it's fun yeah yeah I, I like i like getting into the sort of the the rationale behind the karaoke songs yeah um so so yeah i i I, th- I think this is definitely a song that um people get on board with if you're <laughs> if you're drunk and giving it stacks if you're like going for it in terms of the energy yep exactly people will be on board um it's I not, mean, if it's you not ch- one you can half-ass no, and if you chose to do it because you knew you could sing it well, then that's just not fair. I agree. It's just you're just showing off. Yes. The point is to try and do it and do it badly. Yeah. As well as you can. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke? My go-to, um, my the one I well the one I put on my list was uh, Kryptonite by Three Doors Down. Oh right, I don't know that song. No, it's um. Yeah. Um, I remember I talked about it once in the show, and someone said, "Um, my like the guest is like, oh, you're 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 too cool for me. I don't know that song at all." And it's like, I'm pretty sure Three Doors Down played at Trump's inauguration, so this is not. <laughs> they're not a cool band by any means. Would um, I know it if I heard it? Is it like quite famous? Song? Yeah, you might, you might. Um, yeah, it's it's a uh, very like deep south 
rock. Right, um, right, right. So the reason I picked it is that I, um, I was uh, bringing my friend. Um, he lives in England now, and I was bringing him to the um, the the docks to get the boat. It's like a fifteen minute drive from my house, and I was leaving him off, and we sang that song in the car. You know, he put it on the aux cable, and we sang it. Yeah. And it's one of the most cathartic experiences I've had in my life oh, because nice. we, we both fully went for it and mm. there was no judgment, you know. Um, and it's incredibly fun to sing aggressively and in the accent. Yeah. Um, so that, right. that's kind of why I went with that. Um, that's nice. So, yeah, I, I like that. I like that kind of energy. But I really like someone who's like, I really like it when people set themselves up to fail. I think that's yeah. fun. Um, yeah, the funniest yeah. choice I think I've had is someone who's a comedian in Australia called Sam Peterson who picked uh, uh, Chandelier by Sia oh wow which he, that's uh, almost impossible to sing and, and he knows that he can't sing it at yeah. all but absolutely belted out which I think wow. is just hysterical um, Sarah Pascoe once sang that on telly while swinging from a chandelier she's got a very good voice excellent she did a really good job um yeah, that God, that's hard. I, I, my fr- <laughs> I remember my friend Snoopy doing "Living on a Prayer," uh-huh. and that gets really high. But he was just oh, yeah. he worked worked the crowd when it came to the high no- note. When it came to the high note, just put the microphone into the crowd; they could do it. <laughs> you know, just classic, classic stuff. Yeah, no, that's good. But yeah, but yeah, I did used I do did used to like doing this charming man because that vocal range does seem to suit my voice yeah. also love doing lady in red by krista berg mm. done that on many occasions yeah got to commit to those high notes yeah karaoke is great isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think i i would have different choices for if i'm out with work colleagues i'd probably go something a little bit more like down the line something in yeah. my range if i'm out with mates then then yeah i might go for a a one thing or a, a, a see <laughs> yeah um, Oh yeah. man, that's great song. Yeah, definitely. See a song. Yeah. Wow. All right. Song ten is a song that reminds <laughs> you of a specific place. So you've gone for it's Gorky Zychotic Mincy, Monkey. Yeah. Monkey. Gorky Zychotic Monkey. Yeah. So Gorky Zychotic Monkey. And <laughs> the song is Matthew Aras Tanhaf. Yep. Yeah. Um, which I don't. Which isn't on. Um, Spotify. Unfortunately. It's not. We got wordless song on the on the official playlist, but yeah. Um, I really should have googled what this meant in Welsh. Pretty sure it's something to do with summer. Um, should we do a quick translate? Uh, can't wait until summer. Can't wait until summer. Yes, I knew it was something to do with summer. Um, did you manage to hear it at all? It's yeah, on YouTube. It's on, it's on YouTube. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is a song that reminds me of a specific place. Mm-hmm. Um, Gorky's were a very important band to me growing up. Um, and my mum's Welsh, and we used to go to Wales a lot to see my grandma uh, in Carmarthen, mm-hmm. near Carmarthen. Uh, and... I just used to love going up to 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 visit Grandma because we go to Tenby in the Black Mountains and Clan Stefan. Sorry about my pronunciation. And these beautiful places, and 
um, I I vividly remember like I used to listen to Mark Radcliffe every night on Radio One, and I vividly remember him playing. The first time I ever heard Gorky's was in Wales, <laughs> and because right. Mark Radcliffe played Miss Trudy uh, when I was uh, staying in Wales with Grandma and. I just loved it, really. I just hadn't really heard anything like it before. I thought it was very strange, very silly. Mm-hmm. And I got all these EPs. They they released a, a lot of EPs on a Welsh label called Angst, A-N-K-S-T. And this was, this this song I've chosen was on the Clan Frog EPs. I'm so sorry about my pronunciation. <laughs> and I just think it, it, it's so linked in my mind with those kind of holidays in Wales. Uh-huh. Um, there's. I've always, yeah, like. Uh, I mean, I don't want to sound like one of those people who's uh, half Welsh and then support Wales in rugby and stuff like that. You know, I'm not kind of trying to claim, oh, I am actually Welsh. You know, I'm half Welsh, but I, I've always been. I've always just loved Wales, and I've always loved going to Wales. Right. And I think just having these songs, they sung in the early stuff. Most of their stuff was in Welsh. Uh-huh. Uh. And I think the, the the fact that it was in a different language, it kind of made it more mysterious. I didn't know what they were singing about. Right. Kind of had a sense of what they were singing about. They were very young. They weren't far from my age. But weirdly, a lot of their stuff had an incredible... A lot of their songs have an incredible nostalgia to them. Mm. Which I just found incredibly alluring. I don't really know. <laughs> like... Mm. They seem to be harking back to kind of slightly... 60s kind of Canterbury scene kind of thing um because you know they're, they're they're a kind of you know one way of describing them is being a psychedelic band uh-huh. and they're obviously influenced by a lot of psychedelic bands from the 60s and 70s and things and psychedelia childhood is a huge part of psychedelia yeah but the crazy thing with Gorky's is basically they were children when they were making this music. Right, sure. yeah. So there was kind of this, essentially they were, I think they were late teens or very early twenties, you know? Yeah. But, uh, so there's that kind of weird sense. I think growing up is really, because when you're growing up, you're kind of constantly changing. Each year is so different from the last. Mm-hmm. Growing up is as much about experiencing the life you're experiencing now as looking back. Yeah. And saying, you know, I remember being in year year eleven, going, being nostalgic about year nine, <laughs> as <laughs> yeah. if it was this like halcyon kind of period of my life. You know? Yeah, it's easier. But that his life was so much easier in year nine. You know? <laughs> but just that kind of, I think that's a really important part of growing up is that you kind of you start really living your life, but you also start looking back. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I like about Gorky's is they kind of. I love them because they're full of that youthful energy and experimentation and, you know, just completely... There's some of their stuff so brilliant and so funny and that you can tell their kids just having the time of their life, you know. Yeah. But there's also this kind of strange, nostalgic, strange kind of sadness to a lot of their songs. Mm. Yeah. just I think, I think a lot of that will come down to just, like, knowing your subject matter. Um, mm. Because that that what you're saying there reminds me of the. Do you remember the stripes that came stripes. out? Stripes. Like, uh, they were on the scene maybe 
God, it might be about ten, uh, seven or eight years ago now. Okay. Um, there were like uh, there were like sixteen year olds from Ireland. Right. The rock yeah, yeah, band. that rings. That rings a bell. Was um, it stripes with a a Y? Or yeah. 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 Um, and there were like this really sort of old school rock and roll bands like sort of rhythm blues kind of yeah. like um and i remember a lot of the conversation about them when they came on the scene was like they they feel like they're from from a different they feel like they've lived mm. for 60 years to be writing yeah. that kind of music and <laughs> yeah um and I, like I, I remember thinking even at the time that what that just boils down to is just talented musicians who really love a particular type of music they just listen to it so much yeah that that is what they're heavily influenced by so there's got to be an element of that with gorky's where you just have some like you've some very talented musicians who just love a particular type of music and are heavily influenced by stuff that's come before them yeah totally i think there was a lot of they had i mean they just had amazing record collections or their parents did yeah i think there was a really good record shop in Carmarthen. actually even i might be wrong about that but but yeah to be to be kind of that you know 15 16 listening to kevin ayers and soft machine and <laughs> all these kind of weird bands mm. it's going to do something funny to your head at that age <laughs> you know that's what's yeah, that's sure. what's great about it you know yeah <laughs> absolutely all right so song 11 is a song that reminds you of a specific person so you went for after the flood by top top so yeah the person this reminds me of is a friend of mine called nick talbot mm-hmm. who I was in a band with called Gravenhurst, which is his his band, his kind of solo project. I was just lucky enough to play uh, bass with him for a couple of tours. Mm-hmm. And um, I just... Nick's sadly no longer with us, and he was just an inspirational person, an inspirational friend. And when I joined Gravenhurst, it was just a huge musical education. Um... I mean, particularly, we'll come on to Scott Walker later, but it was mm. particularly Talk Talk and Scott Walker. And I remember saying to him, like, the great thing is about the music you recommend is, like, you know, what genre is this? What kind of what music is this? You know, and yeah. he said he called it something like Psychotropicalia or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of slightly outside of genre a lot of the time. You kind of. Anyway, um, one of the big albums from that period, it was just very exciting to be just coming across all this. You know, I was about 26. It would have been about, 20, it would have been about 2007 mm-hmm. when I was touring with Gravenhurst. And, and, yeah, just a lot of... We were listening to a lot of albums that came out at the time and stuff we were really into. And, you know, when I think about that time, I think of, you know, bands like Animal Collective and... Joanna Newsom and things like that, and um, but yeah, one of the big things we would listen to a lot was Talk Talk, and particularly the album Laughing Stock, and particularly the song After the Flood. And um, at the time, uh, yeah, I just I just thought it was just so beautiful. Um, again, it goes back to what we're saying. It's a very long song. Mm-hmm. but it induces a kind of meditative state um, uh, 
yeah and it just it just really reminds me of nick because it was him opening up this world to me of other music other possibilities really mm-hmm. um and as as i've kind of got older and just listened to this album particularly this song so much it's just it's really kind of just i just the more i listen to it the more amazing i think it is and the more of a just complete genius I think Mark Hollis was. And um, the thing that's amazing about this song is there are two sections to the song. There's an A and a B, if you like. And they sort of, I don't want to sound like too pretentious, but there's a sort of, there's the earthly and there's the divine kind of thing going on. Sure. Where the verses are these kind of, it's kind of a bluesy kind of chord all rooted around this kind of one chord. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of seventh with a kind of suspended fourth, maybe. I don't want to get too technical, but there's like something very unresolved about it. Okay. It's very kind of something bluesy and, uh, yeah, just kind of an ambiguous chord, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the verse chord. And in the chorus, it just totally transcends goes to these beautiful kind of major seventh chords and uh, it's just um, it's just unashamedly beautiful mm. there's there's nothing um, held back it's completely sincere it's just they weren't afraid to just be incredibly beautiful you know <laughs> and uh, yeah I just think the song's amazing they the the amazing thing as well with this song is there's um they oh man I was going to read a bit for there's a really good bit in a, a book called Electric Eden about this song so yeah after the flood contains the masterstroke with Lee Harris recreating the drum pattern of Can's Hallelujah so the drum beat is based on this Can song Hollis torched the center of the track with a one note overtone heavy variophone solo this was a german invention a synthesized wind instrument shaped like a clarinet with a blow control designed to allow greater expressive possibilities hollis's model was malfunctioning and the deluge of noise he emits lasting all of one minute and 15 seconds jerks caustically between octaves like a breaking voice bellowing bellowing in anguish it is literally a purging flood of sound uh, and like the amazing thing is I listened to that song about 50 times before noticing that bit <laughs> a minute of really harsh noise mm. because I was in such a state of enjoying that song yeah. and then someone points it out to you and you go oh yeah there's like really loud noise for a minute of the song <laughs> and of course that noise is in the earthly bit Mm-hmm. And as soon as it goes to the chorus, that noise fades out, you know, and, and it goes into those beautiful chords again. So it just completely underpins that really earthly, bluesy verse. I just think it's just, I mean, yeah, it's just something else. And like I say, it just, it will always make me think of Nick mm-hmm. because of the way, yeah, he, you know, exposed me to these kind of new ideas, really. <laughs> It's very, um, it's a very difficult thing to do. I think sometimes with 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 music, is 
I've certainly found that for a long time is is to introduce a concept or an idea um, or a type of music that is new to you that you fall mm. in love with. Um, so yeah, it's like it's it's, it's definitely it's a it's a beautiful thing to have for sure. Um, all right, song twelve is a song that motivates you. <laughs> so you went for Fury Immer. Forever, forever, yeah. Forever. <laughs> By Noi. Noi. Yeah. Um, one chord. Mm. One drum beat. Um, that's it all the way through. Bit of a theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, uh, but it's just, it's very kind of tidal, I think. Mm-hmm. There are real ebbs and flows True. in the song. Again, it's a song. I've, I listen to and I forget I'm listening to it will lend mm. and I'll go oh I've just listened to that um, I've got a friend called Matt who performs under the name MXLX he, he's very talented and he's I th- he tweeted something like that Noi were the most psychedelic band who've ever existed <laughs> which I really love I love that idea that mm. a band who basically um, they did a lot of different sounding stuff but their main kind of trademark sound was this motoric rhythm with one chord on top but the idea that they were doing something so simple so purely that it was kind of it kind of transcended stuff and it was in a way just much more far out than kind of much more on the surface experimental or not experimental but more a band playing more than one chord (laughs) but there's just I don't know there's just like they're preempting a lot of like dance music culture, I suppose. They're kind of, it's trance like, it's inducing a kind of hypnotic state. Mm-hmm. It's um, powerful. It's so driving. It, I mean, yeah, it completely motivates me because I just think it's just, it's literally forever. It's never ending. It's the horizon, you know, you're driving towards it, you know. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I just, I find Noi just, they they just made such pure music. Yeah. It's so uncomplicated. It's the thing itself, you know? Yes. It's, it's just completely, I find it so just unbelievably inspiring. But yeah. What did you think of this? Had, had you heard, and had you heard of Noi before? Uh, I think this is one that I had heard um, I'm not sure where or when or how, yeah. but um, it definitely felt familiar to me. Um, but yeah, it was it's a, it's another it's another one we sort of talked about this already. The sort of uh, it it definitely allows for that disconnect and mm. that, um, uh, allows your mind to drift. Um, and it's another one that I really enjoyed. Is like a sort of just uh, an an expansion on an idea, yeah, and seeing how yeah. that plays out and not being limited to you know a certain a particular structure or it needs to be four minutes long or anything like that um yeah so it's, it's just it's it's I, I really enjoy music like that where you just sort of see how it plays out and you sort of come to a natural conclusion when you feel like you've you've got what you need from it i guess yeah yeah um, so yeah it's it's a uh, it's it's yeah it's really really nice um i i like this story about klaus dinger the drummer uh-huh when he, in the studio, sometimes they, they he could not be stopped 
You right. just carry on trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. I love that. Just, uh, just having a good yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dinging away. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm interested in this sort of the the motivation factor in this song. Then, so, 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 what do you mean? Like, what, what, what in what way is it inspiring you? Do you think? I just think it's good. Yeah, it's just, it's just full of energy. It will keep the energy levels up. Mm-hmm. Like it will. It's great to work to. It's great to kind of. I mean, I don't exercise, sure. <laughs> but I imagine it would be good to exercise too. Right. Oh <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and, and it's positivity as well. Like, yeah. I I've got this slightly silly theory that I think Noi have really. Similar to the Beatles in some way, okay. <laughs> because they're very different bands, but they're both bands which represented a kind of post-war positivity and enthusiasm. Okay, sure. And for the Beatles, it was a kind of mishmash, like patchwork of influences. Uh, you know, creating a new language. With Noi, it was about synthesizing one idea into a kind of new language. You know, it's about this, you know, they're very, very different bands. But I think there is this kind of feeling of hope, of optimism mm-hmm. about both of them at their best. Right. I think. And, um, yeah, so I guess that I find that very motivating as well. Like, yeah, I think I think I don't I don't really know. I mean, I, I don't know masses about Noi. Mm-hmm. I saw Michael Rother play last year and he was just brilliant. Um but it seems to me that they're expressing something very hopeful, um, very like almost anthemic. Mm-hmm. I, I find their music incredibly optimistic. Right. Certain songs, songs like this, I do. Yeah. yeah, not all of their songs, but I find this song very optimistic, and I find that very motivating. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, song 13 is a song that someone introduced you to so you went for Tropical Hot Dog Night by Captain Beefheart and his magic band <laughs> yeah man great song um, yeah just one of my very good friends Alex I think we were I must have been about 20 mm-hmm. and at a house party and Alex played this album and it's just one of those moments where it was just such a funny evening. You know, I found this song absolutely hilarious. Right. And really good. Yeah. You know, and I just think Alex is so good at, like, describing music, pointing out things you need to listen to. I'll listen to what he says here, listen to this drum fill, listen to this guitar sound, you know. Mm-hmm. He opens up music for you because he's so good at describing it and so good at kind of, um, yeah, just impressing music on you i think and yeah uh and yeah just very just it was you know i I went out the next day and bought the album and just absolutely loved loved it and you know it's just huge album really because you know got into lots of other stuff because of it like beefheart and zappa like i think this is what i was john robbins was at this party as well and from I think from this John got into Zappa and really never looked back. <laughs> like right, literally okay. bought every Zappa album and stuff. Yeah, but um, Beefheart, yeah, just I think Beefheart is just total genius. Mm. Um, I love this album so much. 
part of a big part of it was just how funny it was. I yeah. just thought it was hilarious, you know. Yeah. I couldn't I can't remember, you know, I was laughing so much. I just thought it was just brilliant. Yeah. I can, <laughs> I mean I can definitely see that if you're in a bit of a a, a silly mood. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think it was. This this song would uh would would definitely tip you over the edge. Yeah. Cuz it is yeah. again, it's it's nonsense, isn't it? It's just <laughs> a tropical hot dog night. A tropical hot dog night. No clue what that means, but yeah, yeah it, it it is just objectively funny. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a great song. It's, it's yeah, a great riff. Singular. Yeah, you know, a lot of fun. Um, was, well, the lyrics "Tropical Hot Dog Night" like two flamingos in a fruit fight. Yes, <laughs> like like stepping out of a triangle into striped light. Yeah, great song on this album called "Candle Mambo," uh-huh. which has got a, a the line um, "Correct the night's mistake." Very good. It's good That's stuff. Good. I like that. And it's so much fun. And it's really, really funny. Yeah. He was a comic genius as well. Mm. You know. Yeah. A good man. <laughs> well, a slightly insane man. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, song 14 is a song you wouldn't expect to like. So you've come for Bees in the Trap by Nicki Minaj. Yep. Um, I guess... I don't really like the idea of like guilty pleasures, but I guess was that that was kind of the vibe you're going for with this question kind of thing. I guess, yeah, yes, something B- pretty much. And I've I'm I'm very much of the same mindset. You know, I, I obviously talked about this at the at the top of the show, but um, my exposure to music was very very limited, and mm. that was more or less because I was very much up my own ass, like <laughs> like my taste in music, right? So, um, I I had songs that. I literally felt guilt listening to. Like, right. Love Story by Taylor Swift. Like, I, I love that song. Yeah. But I, I physically felt guilty listening to it because I thought <laughs> this is beneath me somehow. Um, I definitely had a lot of that. Yeah, I had a lot of that when I was younger. Right. I remember hiding CDs <laughs> when yeah. friends would come around to my room because I was slightly embarrassed about it. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, stuff exactly. like that. Yeah. So, so, yes, I've, I've very much come around to the idea that... Um, uh, people just like what they like and and, mm. and the, the the vibe of the show is meant to be very uh judgment free yeah um so so yeah that's kind of where it was at and i also i also thought that a lot more people had a similar experience to me and that i thought that a lot more people would have that more limited view of music albeit they would have a different perspective right do you know what i mean yeah, so, yeah. so people would have like would have their like handful of artists that they would listen to and not a lot else but they would have a different different handful of artists yeah yeah um so i think that's so yeah my eyes have been open since putting these categories together (laughs) a little bit but um but yeah that's that's the general idea it's it's typically meant to be something that would that would stand out against the rest of the songs this definitely does that i think it does yeah i think that i think it's fair to say you possibly wouldn't expect me to be a Nicki Minaj fan, but sure. um, yeah, I'd, I, I chose this because I do, I do genuinely like Nicki Minaj. I think she's really an amazing rapper. Mm-hmm. She's got incredible, like the rhythm and the creativity of her lyrics are just great. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those songs where it came out in about 2012, I think. Yeah. I think I was on tour with Yan, and I just was reading some music website and they posted this and I played it and it was just like 
I literally couldn't work it out. Like mm. I didn't. It, the production is so weird, so minimal. The slang is so kind of. I don't understand what biscuits are or <laughs> like what bees are and why they're in a trap. Yeah. Uh, but I just thought it was really, really cool. I loved the kind of reverb on it. I love the way the bass comes in. Mm-hmm. I love the way the beat is really super minimal. I think. Oh uh, yeah, it's just it's just really good. It's just like it's one of those things where it's like I don't know. So, so I guess with lots of pop music, like if you don't really follow a lot of pop music, I'm not saying this is pop music, but like if you don't really follow stuff, you know, in, in inverted commas, that's kind of mainstream. Mm. Not because I don't like it, but just because I'm just you know listening to old. Captain Beefheart and Elton John albums, you know, it's my own fault. I should be keeping up with things more. Mm. But like, and sometimes you just go back and check out an album that's you know doing really well, and you go, "Oh my god, I, like this is amazing!" And I don't really understand it, you know. And yeah. I think I had that moment when listening to this this song because I just thought it was so kind of strange, but also really, really like great groove and just really funny and kind of silly and really weird mm. um yeah i just loved it <laughs> yeah what, what about you what did you like it uh yeah i enjoyed it more listening to it this time around um yeah yeah uh we were watching uh parks and rec oh yeah uh, the other day and leslie nope says this line that i uh, it still sticks with me she says um the thing about youth culture is i don't understand it <laughs> And that's definitely how I felt about this when yeah. I listened to it because, like, I I remember when this came out and this was like this is probably peak shame being up his own ass, <laughs> uh, period. And I remember working out what bees in the trap meant. And right, bees is basically I am in the trap. Right, as in I I be in the trap. Yeah, I am in the trap. And I remember, right. list, I remember working that out and then being like, are you fucking kidding me? Is that, is that how people talk now? Is, it like, <laughs> is that how, how much you have to bend language now? Is that you can say, I bees in the trap to say, oh, I'm always right. in the trap. Is that what it means? Right. But it's apparently it derives from like Southern slang. So there's a little bit more to it than just like, just someone completely take, taking grammar and, you know, mm. uh, bastardizing it to the point where it's unrecognizable um yeah, so there, there there's something a bit more to it but i but at the time when i heard it was like i bees in the trap and i am always in the trap i was like i <laughs> cannot abide someone who would use language in such a way and yeah completely <laughs> completely switched off from it um but for your change man yeah uh, yeah. yeah no i just i just enjoy it for what it is you know it's yeah yeah and it and, and i think that's one thing i had to learn Again, you know, we sort of touched on this book being a, a white man listening to hip hop. It's not yeah. for me, you know, right. the, the language especially. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not meant to be necessarily accessible to me. It's, 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 it's for her and yeah, you know, yeah, you know, people who are you know who've grown up with similar experiences, I guess, but ha- mm. or have the same lexicon. But if I enjoy it, then that's fine. But it's not, yeah, as I say, it's not for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's it's it is a great song I, and i i agree i think nikki is um is phenomenal i think she's really really funny 
really that, funny that, yeah. that goes underrated quite a lot um, yeah. because people focus on other things yeah, but yeah. I yeah I, th- I think she's great yeah yeah I think it gets lost a lot of the time the comedy uh, in a lot of hip hop as well I mm-hmm. think um, yeah but yeah I mean yeah I love this song I listen to it a surprising frequency <laughs> I'd say <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's great. All right, song fifteen is a song you think everyone should listen to. So you went for "Farmer in the City" by Scott Walker. It's another one that I mentioned before about Nick Talbot uh, introducing me to, um, and the two big people he introduced me to in a way. I, I guess were, were Mark Hollis and Scott Walker, and yeah, I just remember absolutely loving Scott for at the time and then coming to this album which is Tilt a bit later and um, yeah this song is just I think it's kind of as good as it gets really I think it's fascinating because it's in a way Scott Walker's last truly brilliant kind of melodic song Mm -hmm. like when you listen to The Drift the album that came kind of 10 years after this it's so much more obtuse and difficult and not as interested in kind of being beautiful, although there are kind of beautiful bits in it. Mm-hmm. But Farmer in the City is just so haunting, but it's it's obviously leaning into the kind of more experimental side of things. With, um, you know, do I hear 21, 21? It's very strange, very weird. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a song which has a kind of sense of mystery. I mean, it's I, th- I believe it's about the film director Pasolini, but you know the lyrics aren't clear. It's not like a it's a it's a clear story he's telling you. It just kind of alludes to I think the circumstances of his death and things. Right. But it's just so beautiful. I think it's incredibly beautiful and. Um, yeah, I think it's just really weird. Just go back to my my dad again as well. It's like, I think I, I used to make my dad a lot of compilation CDs, and this is one of the last CDs I gave him. Had this song on it, and when when he was quite ill, he said, "You know that Scott Walker song is just extraordinary." I love the idea that he heard that, you know, <laughs> mm. and. And, you know, as well, you know, for people, my parents' generation growing up in the 60s and being familiar with Scott Walker's voice mm-hmm. from the Walker Brothers and the big hits and everything, and then to hear that same voice still sounds the same mm-hmm. in this incredibly different context. Mm-hmm. There's something just, yeah, it's powerful. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think, and weird, like, Mark Hollis and Scott Walker died kind of quite close to each other as well mm-hmm. uh, in 2019 and around the time my dad died as well so it's, it's kind of all linked in my mind a bit you know <laughs> right. um, but yeah I just think Farmer in the City is just something so it's just so beautiful so enigmatic the arrangement is just amazing it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and it's it's not really like anything else and yeah, I think everyone should listen to it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What about what did you think of this of this song? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really, really beautiful. 
Um, yeah, I, I, do, I do. There's there's a there's a poetry to it, obviously. Um, like the the way the lyrics are written, but there's almost like a poetic quality to the music as well. Mm. In that, I wonder what I mean by that is that I it just gets me it just puts me in a certain uh headspace like like i can't quite figure out what everything means yeah um, I, like there are elements of it that i can sort of i can maybe sort of start to piece together there are elements of it that i i can't quite grasp um but the, but i know how it makes me feel you know what mm. i mean so I, I think lyrically and musically it does that um and there's this, there's just this sense of I don't know um, melancholy and yeah. uh, there's a certain foreboding as well. I think there's something a little bit unsettling, slightly unpleasant about it as well. Mm. In terms of how it makes me feel, yeah. um, but overall, it's just it's incredibly, incredibly beautiful. Yeah, it is. I think it's it's something else, and I think it's really really interesting to listen to in the context of the rest of the album tilt mm. the song after this is called the cockfighter okay and it's i just i think that's probably one of the most frightening songs i think i've ever heard production wise it's um like just an unbelievably frightening drop i guess as the kids say right yeah. <laughs> like the dynamic range is just completely mad uh-huh. like he 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 said he he wanted it to be kind of so loud that you you have to turn your 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 stereo down kind of thing oh wow okay yeah it's a very very frightening song mm. very very strange song and i think tilt is just an amazing album because of that because of the way it it kind of marries something beautiful with something kind of ugly for one of another word and and sure. it's yeah it's just something else mm. yeah. yeah no it's really really beautiful mm. excellent and a lovely yeah. note to end on um yeah so thank you very much robin do you have anything that you want to uh plug or promote while i have you not really just the, the moon underwater podcast and yeah that's 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 about it really <laughs> yeah i'm hopefully hopefully i'm going to be releasing some music uh this year um on my band camp and stuff so yeah i guess give that a plug yeah okay great (laughs) perfect all right well thank you so much thanks shane it was was so nice to meet you i really enjoyed that it's a great format and that is it for episode 54 of mixed and entity thank you so much for listening Go and check out Robin's podcast, The Moon Underwater, and your own personal Beatles. Both excellent shows, uh, both excellent guest bookings as well. Um, but a lot of fun to listen to. But yeah, um, they have like my dream guests on there, so it's um, it's an awful lot of fun. So highly recommend you go and check those out. If you want to support this show, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. If you're in a position to support the show financially, you can throw a couple of quid for an episode that you've enjoyed. There's a coffee link set up there. You can give however much you want, and there's no monthly obligation. If you want to set up to, to do that monthly, you can do that as well. Uh, if you're not in a position to do that, loads of other ways you can support the show. The main thing I would say is just tell your friends. Tweet about it, share it on your Instagram, have a conversation, and just get more people listening. Uh, and, you know, 
rate the show review the show all that good stuff uh the more we can do to get more people listening the more the show grows and get more excellent guests on and that's what we all want so all the support is much appreciated i'll be back next week for episode 55 so in the meantime look after yourselves and we'll speak to them